Welcome to Bits, Bytes and Bourbon, the podcast that covers the worlds of technology, gaming, and geekdom with a fine tasty beverage. Hosted by Julian Spillane from Kermi Games and Avinash Singh from Easy Tech Care, this relaxed, off-the-cuff podcast is rich with non-sequiturism debates on whether they should have taken the red pill or the blue pill. Well, this episode of Bits, Bites, and Bourbon is brought to you by Garfield Eats. <laughs> Love me, oh feed me, God. don't ever leave me. Garfield oh my Eats. God. That is something else. So that yeah. sounds like a that sounds like a lyric from a song. I can't think of what. <laughs> well, it's like it's like throw me, kill, yeah, kiss yeah, me. Yeah. That's right. That's two song. different songs. There's yeah. a YouTube song, and then there's an old like uh, jazz standard or something. Oh, That's right. what it. No, like I know Sinatra sings it. It's like throw me, kiss me, hold, hold me, me, hold me, right. kiss me, throw. Hold me, kill me, kiss me. Fucking, I don't know. No, Hold kill me. me isn't in the original one. Yeah, yeah. But you two added the other yeah, one. Yeah, and that was that was for the Batman Forever. It was soundtrack, true. Right? It's such yeah. a great song too. Batman, too bad the movie was so bad. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh my gosh. Val Kilmer though, you know. Val Kilmer, you know, he wasn't a bad Batman. Yeah, he wasn't a bad Bruce either. Like he was good at playing because there's a scene in that one where he, um, uh, he's playing up the playboy idiot persona of Bruce Wayne. Right. He does a decent job of that, like, yeah. in that movie. Everything else, like, okay. Jim... Like, oh, also, Tommy Lee Jones, it, I think, was a fantastic two-face for what was yeah. written for for what was written for him. I yeah. think Jim Carrey was a good Riddler. Really? really? I don't know. I think... I, I, think, think, I, think, I think... He was playing him too much like the Joker for me. Yeah, I think a good... I, like, here's the problem. is because I grew up with the, with the 60s Batman, is... Joker and Riddler were basically the same character. Well, in, that, in, 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 in the 60s Batman, the <coughs> Riddler was always the smarter one. Like, Joker was like Cesar Romero crazy, but right. Riddler was like, he was, you know, generally pretty dashing But Joker smart. would also, Joker would also, like, give him those, those stupid riddles. The one yeah. I always remember is like, oh, you wouldn't know this, but it's this guy named Laughwell. <laughs> so so dumb. I was like, that was the dumbest freaking like I, this character we'd never heard of before. Yeah, and it's because he who laughs last laughs well. That was that was the oh, joke, the Joker yeah. And Batman was like, oh, this is this guy somewhat laugh well. <laughs> laugh well. You know what? This just came to me. You know who I think would make a pretty good Batman? And I hate this actor. Okay, I I I. I it, you Robert know? Pattinson. No. Actually, I kind of, I kind <laughs> I of like, like Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I like Robert but, Pattinson. But the joke is, I and I, I say this, I'm not a fan. I say this, is that, you know how Kristen Stewart basically only has one, like, look? Yeah. Right? This is the male version of her. Clive Owen. Only oh, yeah. Has, only has one, one, one emotion. He only, but I think that would be perfect for both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. He wouldn't be bad. He wouldn't be bad. I just don't think, I mean, like... Batman is such a character rooted in American capitalism and like the and like the the advent of the the like the end of the industrial era and the building of America that like it'd be really hard to have a, a British Batman I think it'd be like having an American James Bond it just wouldn't feel right yeah I mean he could do an American accent but we have a but we have a yeah. we have an Australia as P.T. Burnham that is true. Right, we have That's very true. We, we have we have we have the same Australian as a Canadian Wolverine. That's also true. I just yeah. never I, I I've never heard Clive Owen try to do an American accent. I don't true. Think. No, I don't think so either. What was that heist movie he was in? Like he was like Innocent Man or something like that. Oh, um. Inside Man. Inside Man. Inside yeah, Man. that's a great movie. I think wasn't wasn't. Funnily, funnily enough, I think American the best accent, work that Clive Owen ever did was up? no was was the that series of BMW ads. Do you remember okay. that? No. 
So there's a series of BMW films, is what they were called. Uh, I remember this. I remember back it. in like the the Madonna late nineties. Madonna yeah. with it. I was in advertising at that time. Yeah, yeah. So so he was the driver. Yeah. BMW uh, decided to do this ad campaign, and what they did was they would get a series of directors to film a five minute short film with their latest BMW and work it in in some way. And so the one you're thinking of is the same one I'm thinking. Of. So so the series, I thought Clive Owen was always the driver. He was so so he, his character was called the driver, and mm. he was in every single one. So every single the only the only part of the anthology that was the through line was Clive Oven the driver and um, and and driving this specific model BMW and I can't remember which one it is, and so the one you're thinking of Guy Ritchie directed one of them. Oh, and that so was when Clive were, Owen yeah. was the driver and he was supposed to drive Madonna to a premiere and she was being insufferable. Is that when I'm guessing that, that Guy Ritchie was still, Madonna, married, were, yeah, still married? married? That's yeah. right. Yeah, they were still married at the time. I think the best thing Clive Owen has ever been in, but. I would say he's ever been in, but not that he was best in, because okay. I don't think he's good in anything, okay. was uh, Children of Men. Yeah, Children of Men is, is legitimately a phenomenal film. But it would have been so much better if they just had a different guy. I like Clive Owen. I, I really liked Shoot'em Up. I think Shoot'em Up is, is ridiculous, over the top. Mm-hmm. Him always chewing on carrots. Sure and, like, and was very Throwing bullets into a fireplace so that it heats up the gunpowder in them to like There's a worst ricochet. part of Sin City, for sure. No, the worst part about Sin City was... Uh, just the entire character of the Yellow Man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that movie hasn't. I I think Yellow Man is pretty true to the comic. Book. Oh yeah, yeah, but I'm saying the concept hasn't really aged terribly sure, well. Yeah, yeah. Go back and watch Sin City now; it's a little hard to watch. That's true. It's yeah, a little yeah, rapey. Oh uh, yeah. Oh no, a little. It's very rapey. It's actually part of. <laughs> yeah. Well, the amazing of... thing is, you know, virtually all of Frank Miller's stuff is kind of rapey. Like, yeah, you know, you take a look. Oh, this, yeah, there's rape in in everything that he's done. Yeah, right. In, even even it's 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 lazy stuff. writing, man. I it I is, say the same absolutely. thing. I say the same thing of Mark Millar. I feel it's I feel like it's it's lazy. But see, there was a two thing, and I this is why I give Frank Miller a little bit of credit. It's because when he was doing it, especially in comic books, no one was, no one was. Doing yeah, it I mean Daredevil. Like so, he started. People have always remember him for for his extremely violent, you know, Batman takes on Batman, right? Um, like the Dark Knight and all that, but. He what put him on the map was his Daredevil run, yes, and his, and his extremely violent Daredevil run, which mm-hmm. which led to the creation of the Ninja Turtles because it was a parody yeah. of what Frank Miller had been doing with the hand and all that. Yeah. I'm Daredevil. trying to remember where did the um, where did the the the, the turn, is it is it fridging fridging yeah, yeah. yeah. What, it, it actually comes from Green Lantern. It was yeah. Greenlander. I thought it was his run on Daredevil, but no, it was Greenlander. It was somebody's Where girl. Green, Greenlander found his girlfriend inside of a fridge. Yeah, chopped up inside of a fridge. Yeah, that's right. I, I, but reason, that was, I just thought that was, that was Daredevil. That was like in the late 90s. That was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah was when, when we're talking about Fred Miller, this is like early 70s. 80s, 70s. This is yeah, 70s. Late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think it was like 79 or 78 was his run and on Daredevil. This is actually the same kind of thing we were talking about, Jeff Spicoli. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like. Like we look at Frank Miller stuff now as rapey, blah blah, and other people are doing you know it's a, it's kind of thing, but at the time, nobody had done it, so it's kind of like when when people haven't seen uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, I know. And people are like, oh look, uh, Bill and Ted does uh, uh the, the, like these days everybody's like, oh that's a Bill and Ted character or that's a that's sure. a Wayne Campbell character or whatever. They don't realize that even before that, like anybody who watches Fast Times at Ridgemont High now, that was the first one. Well, I mean, it's like I, I, but um, also if you're talking about you know like lack of consent, that's in there. That's oh yeah, in, like who was it that uh, 
It was wasn't it Jennifer Jason Lee? Yeah, that's right. Fast Five is a recurring. That's right. Jennifer Jason Lee, right? That 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 whole scene with her. That's really interesting. Like the Fast Five, Fast Five's original five was written by uh, Cameron Crowe when he was sixteen. That's right. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was a kid. Yeah, it's it's kid. funny though. Like people, with, like you need perspective on media, right? Like I I showed an ex girlfriend Rocky for the first time once like a decade ago, oh. and she'd never seen it, and she watched it and went, eh. Feels pretty derivative. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everything, Everything is derivative, derivative of, of it. Every yeah. inspirational sports movie you've ever seen is a ripoff of Rocky. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah. It feel, I'm sure it feels derivative if you've never seen it before. Well, a classic example is this: Rocky invented the training montage. Yeah, yeah. Right of him doing all that. So like, oh, I've seen this a million times. Yes. Well, and also speaking of non-consent, there's a real awkward scene between him and Adrian. When oh, absolutely. Yeah, when, he, yeah, when, they're yeah. at, when they're at his place and he won't let her leave, and he's literally like putting his hand across the door, and there's a knife sticking out of the mattress. Yep. In one scene, you're like, oh, jeez. Well, I mean, like you had, like they're. they're that kind of scene was all over the 80s. Like, yeah. Blade Runner had, oh, yeah. had it, too. Oh, yeah. And, and gosh, Rocky was yeah. supposed to be seen as, Wait, like, was a Rocky? redemption arc, because it started... 79? Rocky was 79. 79, yeah. yeah. It, won the, it won the Oscar in 80 for, yeah, for, for, uh, for Best Picture. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess Rocky was a redemption story, because he starts off as a mob enforcer, oh, and he right. wants to make his life better. So you see him as a violent dude and then he softens and becomes better but yeah that the whole rocky adrian relationship is uh definitely not a modern one i would say no one of the one of the things interestingly about and i find this about a lot of boxing movies is all the box they're all everybody's just landing haymakers left and right like how is anybody still standing after like two of those (laughs) yeah they 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 would be gassed in real life uh at the end of those especially because they were going 12 rounds back then yeah. Um, yeah, those were twelve round fights. I can't believe. No, but there's, uh, there's, there's, there's uh, what I mean is there, there's no like to, to one two. Yeah, yeah, there's no whatever. jab combination. It's, every single thing is like big hook to the side of the head and whatever. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if anybody did, whoever landed the first one of those in any real boxing match would be dead. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean. I don't even mean being knocked out. I mean dead. Yeah. Now, but but is that a function of you know being dramatic and all? It's that absolutely kind of stuff? a matter. Or yeah. or remember, think about the era that we're talking about with Rocky. Right. This is late Muhammad Ali. Right. Muhammad Ali later in his career always led with his face. Like this guy. Yeah. I mean, would just get pummeled in the most brutal way and then still win. Which led to, you know, I mean, the, the, his, his terrible sort of... Like the rope like Yeah, and I mean, like, Foreman, Foreman uh, was at the, the, like, head of the zeitgeist at the time, too, and he was just known for throwing those big haymakers all right. the time, because that's all he but had. But they would almost never land. Yeah. Like every single hay, every single punch in Rocky lands. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. I mean, the same thing, though, and I, I think that... It's also written directed by Stallone, and yeah. I, I think it's actually very underrated. It is called uh, Dr- Driven? Dr- Driven. Driven. Never seen it. Driven. It's actually like it's basically Rocky, but uh, basically Rocky, but with F one racing. And you, and mm. kind of oh, I remember this movie, and yeah. there was a big controversy. I because, liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so it it was supposed to be F one. It wasn't F one. Oh yeah. He wanted it to be an F one movie, but the problem was no team wanted to be the bad guy. There right. had to be a bad guy, and he did not want to add a fictitious team to Formula One. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like I don't want to. To, to, to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. No, no, go right ahead. It's pretty are, old. I, yeah, I feel like, like more. But there are no bad guys in that movie. There's, no, no, there's no, a I lot know. of like conflict and stuff between it like, and, and friendly rivalry, but there's no like... The, the bad guy is actually his own... The team the guy's working on, the manager of that team. Mm. 
Right? Everybody is basically, everybody's basically, they're just like, here's the sport, here's our competition, yes, I want to win, we want to win. Right. There's no, like, you're the actual... Actually, the, the team that he's on, the young guy, he's, he's probably the, ba- the, the worst guy of it because he doesn't understand this camaraderie. He's been brought up in this whole idea of, you know, you have to destroy your opponent. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the most important sports movie of all time, yeah. Over the Top. Over the Top. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know what I would totally watch? You know what I'd totally watch? You know that, like, Ukrainian, I think it's Ukrainian or Russian or something, like, the, the slap contest? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, those slap I would love awesome. to watch, like, an Over the Top For kind of movie con- about slap contests. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Real talk, though, uh... Bloodsport is the greatest uh, sports movie of all time, ooh, based yeah. on a true story. <laughs> Here, but here's the thing: <laughs> true story in sports. Quote on Frank, Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes, yeah. Dukes absolutely. So, so, so Frank Dukes <laughs> alleged forever that, and he still does, that that was a real thing okay. that happened to him. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he has his trophy from winning the Kumite. <laughs> However. Because uh, he this, saw it in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, well, this is the exact thing. In Enter this the investigative journalist uh, traced his trophy to a trophy making shop in the town that Frank Dukes lives in so like <laughs> he had a, a kumite trophy made for him which means that the trophy shop owner is in on the conspiracy right right I probably thought it was for his kid like for oh like you were making we're, we're doing a karate champ, <laughs> championship thing that was the big deal yeah like, I, I even I won I mean Granted, I was pretty good at martial arts, but I won a freaking little, like, a karate tournament trophy. Yeah. <laughs> Where people chanting, Kumite, Kumite. Bolo Young, man, he was, he was a beast in that movie. He, well, he was a beast in every movie. Yeah, every movie. Right? Also, Sammo Hung. Yeah. But he, 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 was, he was also in Enter the Dragon, right? Bolo was, Young? Yeah. Yeah, 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 he absolutely was, right? Wait, yeah. it's, it's literally... Jackie, and Jackie Chan was in, in Enter the Dragon as well. Jackie Chan he was, was a, He was a stuntman. Yeah, he, he was in a, 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 a bunch of Bruce Lee stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Bolo Young and, and uh, was it Bolo Young or it was Samuel? It was one of the two, or maybe it was all three. Had worked a lot with with Jackie Chan and 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 Bruce Lee. I feel like the of the people who moved from Hong Kong cinema to mainstream cinema doing martial arts stuff, I feel like they all probably worked together repeatedly. Yeah, because yeah. It's not it's not a big. Yeah. It, it wasn't a big genre until they made it big, and then even then, the martial arts movie had its zenith at like 1993-94 and then I think you know right. we, had, we had the death throes of the martial arts movie in the early 2000s with like uh, um, Ong Bak and The Raid but right. it's well, kind the of tie, when, well the, the thing is that stuff, when you're yeah. talking about Hong Kong so when you're talking about the Hong Kong martial arts movie scene, I would almost say the Hong Kong sorry no, sure. we'll spoil that whole thing is I think the, the, the Hong Kong action uh, Kung Fu movie sort of ended when uh, Jet Li retired. Yeah. I think that's sort of the... the that's the fair. Movie. That's right. absolutely Continue. fair. No, I, I was going to say, you know, when you're talking about the Hong Kong action movie scene and you're talking about Bollywood, for example, those two things, in both those industries, everybody's worked with everybody, mainly because materially, as far as actors and talent are concerned, they're not that much bigger than Hollywood, but they're pumping out such a high volume yeah. of product... Yeah. That eventually everyone just works with everybody all the time. And especially yeah. anything that makes it to the West probably has some pretty high production value, pretty high budgets, so right. they get the best people available who tend to be like Samuel Hong, Bolu Young, right. Jackie Chan, Jet Li, and, you know, Bruce. And, but, and by but, that time, each of them have individually worked together a half yeah. a dozen times. Well, we have to say, Bruce, Bruce probably like, Bruce probably like, you know, 
uh, slingshot at the entire thing. Oh yeah, Bruce like, Lee oh, is yeah. definitively responsible for the like I think single handedly responsible for the rise of martial arts movies in the West. Yeah, I think yeah. So. Like think about all the Bruce Lee rip off movies, the ones yeah, Bruce, with like Bruce Lee and Bruce L. I. Lee. Those are that's a, there's an entire genre of those, and yeah. I absolutely love them. Uh, so uh, 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 on top of that, there's, the, there's also this idea that so. Uh, um, there was Bruce working on stuff. Jackie Chan came in. He was young, a young stuntman, whatever, and he put together his own stunt team through those things. I feel like, in the same way that you know, what we consider Ip Man as being, I told you my my history with Ip Man, right? No, no, go ahead. Nobody on okay. the pod knows what you said. Oh, so Ip, Ip Man is my teacher's teacher. I have pictures of him, uh, uh, my my master and Bruce Lee doing seesaw together. Right. Okay, so. Before you continue, so everybody on the pod who's listened to any of the pods know Julian and I, but they don't know you. Okay. I'm Justin. I hate the sound of my own voice, so I'm never on podcasts or whatever. Right. (laughs) So, and the company you're with is? Uh, Veliset Games. There you go. So, and then you've got... Oh, we just started, so there's not a a real thing going on. Okay. Well, don't talk yourself down before you get going, man. When Uh, there's something to show, then I'll be like, oh, look, everybody look at me. And then, as usual, you've got Julian Splint from uh, Komi Games. Yep. You've got Avinash Singh over here from Easy Tech Care. Continue your... Uh, oh, okay. So, in the same way that Ip Man kind of passed down Wing Chun, and now we kind of see him as this like, top uh, patriarch of the, entire, of the entire art, whatever, mm-hmm. I do feel like... If, and I highly recommend doing this. I don't know if you've ever seen... Even just the small one YouTube video, which is like how Jackie Chan films comedy, mm-hmm. or whatever, it's excellent because it's not just about comedy. It's all about how his stunt team works and right. how stuff like... Um, he's, he's always like how Western people don't not know how to shoot action. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll always like... A guy's about to punch. They'll, they'll switch camera angles. They'll do a cut and show the punch hitting from another angle. Whereas, like, Jackie Chan, will, they'll show the punch from across the room he'll jump in the air do three flips and then punch you see the 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 fist hitting the guy's face mm-hmm. so he, he sort of created this whole idea of this how the stunt team works so in but the he way also we're talking created, about, he created a narrative arc through the fight sure yeah. right so that you know he displays he, he conveys comedy through through the fight but then he also shows the wear and tear and an ebb and flow yeah. with the actual fighters themselves. Yeah. They get weaker, they catch second wins, and you get to see yeah. all of that throughout. It's not just this gangbusters sort of rock and sock'em thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I watched last night, we, 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 we referenced Bloodsport earlier, uh, last night, uh, so, so there's this, uh, this, this, this channel on Apple TV that I download, this app download, I downloaded called Tubi, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's free movies or whatever, but they lean heavily into like the 80s and the 90s. So last night, I watched Universal Soldier that I had oh, yeah, you love Universal forever. Soldier. That movie, A, ages really well. It, it fine wine. It does age Like everything, well. everything Jean-Claude Van Damme touched in the 80s right. is perfect still to this day. Okay, Kickboxer wanna... is still phenomenal. Bloodsport is amazing. Universal Soldier, like... It, it, time cop. It, time cop <laughs> is still great, uh, and you can compare that um, to uh, Steven Seagal, and there's only like Under Fire is the only 
Under Fire, Under Siege. Under Siege, rather. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Under, Under Siege. Siege yeah. Under Siege is like the only film of his period, that I think has it, aged well. There's a period. I would where, say so. Yeah. There's a period. Well, I loved him in Executive Decision. That's because he died in the first five mm-hmm. minutes. <laughs> um, was the one he did with DMX Exit Wounds oh, I don't know yes yeah, once he switched from doing three letter movie titles to two <laughs> so three word movie titles to two word movie titles I kind of lost that it. was it <laughs> no. just to finish my thing about the about the, the lineage sure. of, of, of stunt teams I, I really do feel like everybody now sees Jackie Chan and his methodology of how he put those stunt teams together whether or not they work with him or not there's some kind of um uh, descended. They're, it's all mm-hmm. descended from it. So going back to where we were talking about how everybody in the industry sort of work together, they at least sort of have that stunt uh, uh, lineage yeah. uh, shared. Her- heredit, 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 heredit. Tree together. Yeah. yeah, well the interesting thing is in Hollywood specific, specifically, so they took <coughs> a really strong page out of that, but they did it in a slightly different way. So in Hong Kong you would have stunt teams that work together on every single film for a specific person and whatnot. Um, but now in Hollywood, there's a whole community of stunt people that all work together, right? And so, you know, stunt folks working on different movies have worked on dozens and dozens of movies together. And stunt coordinators know, because they're using so many stunt people now, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, you're, you're not going to have a stunt crew of 20 or 30 people. You're going to have a stunt crew of 50 people. But all those guys are led from people who have some link. And I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to say Jackie Chan. I just mean Jackie Chan seems to be the most rec- recognizable. Because really who it was was Yoon Woo Ping. Mm. Right, who, talking about who, martial arts. Yeah, stuff, yeah, who worked with who worked with uh, Jackie Chan partially the, in that whole stunt team, the, like Drunken Master. Yeah, and, you know, the like, Iron Monkey, which which uh, 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 Tarantino produced for for mm-hmm. for uh, for the West, and just a whole bunch of that kind. Of, oh, Yoon Woo Ping was his big one. Is um, Oscar nominee. Oh, uh, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, yeah, right. right? And, and of course, yeah. the Matrix. And of course, the Matrix. Yeah, right. But like he, he's off there. Every everybody who's part of those stunt teams, that lin- that family tree just goes down. And these, right. like you're talking about with these huge stunt teams, there are at least a couple of those old school guys who came from that or passed down. Oh, that's a really good point. It'd be a fascinating uh, family tree to draw. And a big difference between Western stunts <laughs> and and HK stunts and and in general is oftentimes. The stuntmen and stunt women are the actors in the film, yeah. right? Yeah. Very rarely here do you find the, the actors that are a willing to do their own stunts mm-hmm. and b uh, are recognizable names. Um, there's, Outside uh, of Tom Cruise, and, well, and like uh, what's her name, Zoe? Um, uh, oh my gosh, she uh, went on to become an actor. Um, she, uh, she was in in um, Grindhouse. Uh, she was also in. Um, Oh my gosh, my brain is just dying. You know who I like? Katie We're Lotz. We're editing this out yeah. right now. You know who I like? Katie Lotz. Katie Lotz, yeah. She, she does her own stuff. Yeah, yeah, she does. She, she, well, yeah, the, on, um, uh, gosh, Legends, uh, Legends Arrow, of yeah, Power, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and she's just, she's just rad. Like, yeah, I yeah, she is. She's, she's, she's a very, very cool. I wish she was a better actress. Yeah. I think she's I, well, fine. The, the, the trouble is, is that I haven't seen too much of her. You know what? You know what the problem is? And I really is? like her in the role yeah. that she's in. You know what the so... problem is? I think that she found her groove in Legends. Mm-hmm. It's because I've seen a lot of her previous stuff. Right. And she played. She, she's kind of all over the place with those roles. But yes, you're right. I do think she found. She found her. She, she found her. Uh, her, her her groove with uh with with, with Legends. Arrowverse, yeah. yeah, with Legends. Of yeah. Tomorrow. So okay. So um. Uh, Zoe Bell. That's what I was thinking. Oh, so she started. Okay. So she, yeah, yeah. she she started as uh, stunt double for Lucy Lawless in Xena, and she was the stunt double for Uma Thurman in in Kill Bill. Kill Bill, right? But 
Tarantino really, really liked her and then cast her in Death Proof, part of Grindhouse. Right. House. And then she's appeared in Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and then she's, so she's still stunt doubling, but she's also acting. Right. Um, which well, is, Tarantino, like a lot of directors, but Tarantino specifically leans heavily on whoever he's worked with before. Yeah. You're in the stable now, and I keep using it over and over again, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and the one person who, I, in my opinion, rises to the occasion, no matter what Tarantino throws at him, in all fairness, is Brad Pitt. Every role really? that Brad oh, yeah. Pitt's done for, for Tarantino are radically I'm different, just, I, and they work. I'm sorry, I just gotta say, Brad Pitt is an amazing actor. 100%. Yep. I, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, probably because he was such a pretty boy for such a long time, and yeah. everybody was just like, oh, he's just there but for it's weird though because whatever. it's weird, though, because people talk about Leo uh, so adoringly. Like right. Leonardo DiCaprio. I feel like Brad Pitt's shown a hell of a lot more yeah. range than Leonardo DiCaprio ever I think, has. I think Brad Pitt is a better actor. Yeah, than and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how Leo escaped the... Uh, escaped pretty boy prison. But you know why? Right. Because he wasn't rugged. I think that's what it was. So he, uh, um, um, Leo, in terms of the way he looks, tends to come more boyish. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of things like, and he, and he, and he started being boyish. So he started on uh, you know, growing pains and he was eating Gilbert grapes. So he went up through this child right. thing. But as soon as, Brad Pitt was literally a sec icon the second he walked on the screen. Right. And, and, and he's more of the chiseled Adonis. Yeah. Sort of. The traditional, yeah, the, right. the, the Hollywood very square man, right? jawline. You take a look. I mean, I still remember <laughs> my jaw hitting the floor watching Snatch. Yeah, and when he yeah. comes out, oh yeah, and you, you you just can't even understand what he's saying half the time. Like wow, but even like I feel like even during his pre, his pre boy era, he did Seven Years in Tibet. Sure, and that movie mm -hmm. is 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 culturally important in that it was a good film, an Oscar film, but. He, he is banned for life from entering China. Yeah. But I also, yeah, and I also feel like part of the it, issue, like, like you said, the pretty boy phase, is so many of his movies he didn't, he has shirt off. Right. Right? Yeah. Even, even, you know, like we're talking like Fight Club, which is a great role for him and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, um, that he's not recognized, like Snatch, he has a shirt off, whatever. Not, not, uh, he doesn't get recognized for things like Seven Years to Bet or one of my favorite movies, Seven. Yeah, mm. so seven, so seven's incredible. And he, but here, and he, one of the reasons why I realized um, that he was such a good actor is because I have the, 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 the DVD with like four commentaries on it, and one of them is him and David Fincher on it. And he's just talking about his process. It's like, okay, you know what, I really want, this is me and, and Kevin Spacey um, talking in the car, and you know, I, I, I thought he really, his, his energy really just got me, and I, I totally lost it. I wanted to just come back a little, and I tried to ADR mm -hmm. some, of the, some of the stuff, and it's like, there was just no way, Spacey was just way too good about it. But every scene, he was talking about, this, this is how I approach it. And I was like, he is way more than some guy who like, shows up, reads his lines and leaves, which I think a lot of pretty boy actors are. Yeah, I, I think he obviously he obviously loves monkeys, the craft. Right? Yeah, 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 twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. He loves yeah. he loves the craft. Um, like Burn Notice he was 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 great as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he just he's one of those actors who just loves to act, and and you can see it in the fact that he takes on every role: comedy, thriller, action, like drama. He just doesn't he doesn't confine himself. He's not mm -hmm. he hasn't been typecast. Like he avoided being typecast. Um, well, I feel like I feel like he's typecast at the beginning yeah. of his career, and this is the thing he's trying to be get, getting away from the whole time. It's kind of like I don't know if you've we talked about Robert Pat, Robert Pattinson a little earlier. He's trying to do that because he got so pigeonholed into the Twilight thing. So now he's well, he, and he hated it. I I, I oh, love, I know, I I love, love how it. outspoken he is about how much he hated Twilight. Yeah, like. Yeah. You know, I, it was a paycheck. I feel sad for their fans. I feel sad for Twilight's fans. Why? 
Dude, if you like something and something major from it comes out and say you freaking hate it, then yeah. it, like it it does track like like when Alec Guinness says, says hey, that's Star exactly Wars. my thing. Like Alec Guinness hates Star Wars. Yeah, that didn't like, break my heart. No. Well, I mean But you're not you're, you're not like a you're not a a fanatical fan. Well, no, but at the time he said it, I was. Right? Yeah. Star Wars is my whole world. When he was going out on interviews, like, I hate this thing. It's, yeah. It's, you know, what, what, what's your favorite thing right now? Right now, my favorite thing? Uh, gosh. What, let, let's say Mandalorian. Just off, right, easy. Just the Mandalorian. It's fresh in everybody's mind or whatever. Right, everyone's and, loving Mandalorian. And, and what if John Favreau just came What if John Favreau came Before you say any more, have you finished The Mandalorian yet? I have finished The Mandalorian. Excellent! We can talk about okay. The Mandalorian. Because guess, guess who has two thumbs and hasn't seen Star Wars Episode Nine yet? I this guy. And that guy. Neither of you have seen it yet? No. I don't, you know what? This might, be the, this might be the first one that's come out when I could go to the theater on my own. No, okay. So, 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 so th- this is something that I was joking with Julian about earlier. I think what we need to do is we need to do a live stream uh, reaction of you guys watching Star Wars Episode <laughs> Nine for the first time. Okay. When it comes out on yeah. video, sure, we'll just keep, in about a month's but time. There, but there's so many, like, there's so many, I, I, I've already, like, like glanced, saw, because of headlines, like, spoilers. Yeah, you've seen the spoilers, but there's still going to be a visceral response when the whole puzzle yeah. piece is okay. I kind of feel like I need to see it while it's in theaters, just for the same reason as Justin pointed out, like, I've always gone to see Star Wars. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I don't want to deny you. But guys. I've also always gone to see Star Wars in the first week, and the first week has passed, so... I can That's kind of, true. I can yeah, I actually, okay I always that. used to go see them all on opening night every yeah, time. Too. And even even like sitting like, and I don't think in particularly. <laughs> I, I think over at the Uptown, my love for Star Wars has definitely waned, um, and it's definitely in part, I think, to the fact that there's too much Star Wars. Um, it's a universe that has like a rich history, like all the expanded universe stuff I devoured. This is what I'm saying. I, I feel, feel like there's like too it's much. Be, of it. I feel but like they got. This I feel like the problem is, is because they got rid of the, the expanded. Well, universe. they didn't. So they haven't gotten rid of the expanded universe. There's legends. Their, their whole thing with the EU is everything is fine unless an official media contradicts it. Right. Which okay. is why you have Thrawn. Right. Is He's still, still fine. there. Yeah. He's, He's still, still there, there because nothing. Like his presence no, in, 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 in Rebels. Rebels. But we don't know that the Thrawn trilogy is right. Because they haven't talked about his backstory. Right, but that's it. So as long as they haven't contradicted it, you can assume it to be right. So for example, well, the Tron, Mara the Jade, Tron tr- tr- Mara Jade could still potentially exist, but she's definitely not Luke's wife. So that is well, you don't carved know, out of... But you, yes. Oh, ex-wife? Know if, could be yeah. ex-wife. We don't know what happened in the 20 ex-wife. years between... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, 20 years is a long, long time. time to be right? alone on a planet it's with, true. with with blue milk blue milk blue cows, cows or whatever the fuck that's right yeah i uh <laughs> he said if, if if he didn't get any action then that uh, that's like new new zealand or yeah something. <laughs> oh, you know what, sorry, you know, i didn't mean to anybody from new zealand yeah please you know what doesn't get a lot of love solo i quite enjoyed yeah, solo. I, enjoy, I, I, solo. I did i, I did because I, I, I went in i went in going this is i went in with the lowest of expectations because why did we need to tell this story was my question. Right. But the stuff they did um, uh, with Maul and the stuff they did with the Crimson Dawn and like exploring Even the... Even with, with, with Han Solo, I yeah. think was fine. And, and I loved, I absolutely love the context that it brought to why Lando is so emotional about the Falcon. That's right, yeah. Like, just... It, and, and it was really, it was a really neat like moment 
sensitive moment for, for Lando, and Donald Glover just killed it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I well, really Solo and Rogue One uh, centered an entire movie around something very small. Yeah. yeah. That was remarkably powerful. Well, right? I think that's the success. That's the I secret success, to success. Though. Absolutely, right? That like you blow up something that's part of canon but is small. So, you know, there's this element. So the, the thing that Solo... Solo is, is a story wrapped around a truth. And the truth is, like you said, Hans, sorry, uh, Lando Calrissian is really attached to the Millennium Falcon. And the computer of the Millennium Falcon is sassy and temperamental. Yeah. Right? According to what R2-D2 and C-3PO were saying. And that's it. You build the entire movie around yeah. that notion. Okay, you build yeah. layers and layers on top of I that. Mean, the and then with Rogue One, of course, is one sentence in the opening crawl yeah. of, well, of, of, but of the uh, problem, episode four. But the only... So I, don't get me wrong. I like Rogue One. But one thing I didn't like about Rogue One mm-hmm. is it completely undid Dark Forces, the first game. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with that. I was a little. I was a little irritated by that, but that's. I understand. That's, but that's yeah, a, it's a little. No, and it's, it's a good movie. I, I love how it just ties right into the very. I really enjoyed. Of, I really enjoyed everyone's content. performances in both of them. Um, I and Rogue One took a lot of except courage. Saw, I, I, I Saw He was completely. What is, what is the deal with this character? Yeah, Sagarera makes no sense, and he's, like, such a big deal that he's appeared in... They keep trying to put him in everything, He's, but wait, he's been he in doesn't... Rebels, he's been in, in Rogue One. He's been Clone Wars. He's been Clone Wars, and now he's in the new Star Wars game. Yeah, he's in Fight, Fall, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Actually, I don't think he... Did they get Forrest Whitaker to play him in Fallen Order? No, I don't think he's actually in it. I think oh. they talk about it. I don't oh. know no, 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 he's in Fallen Order. Oh, okay, I must have he's run into Fallen him. Order. But this, but this is what I'm talking one, about. Like, one of the, I think one of the first missions... But no, but this is what I'm saying. where you swim through and... This is what I'm saying. He's right there. I remember everybody talking about him. I guess I met him, <laughs> but it's the same thing in every in, in all the game in, in, in all the media. Yeah, you keep running into him, but you're like, also, I, what influence? He, he's always did something to fuck something up. Or also, like, they, they had a he won some awards. Yeah. He, he won some 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 battles, but winning the battle actually fucked things up more. Sorry, I would say like they, I think my other gripe with Rogue One is uh, you had Donnie Yen. Perfect. Like, yeah, ma- yeah, you yeah. cast Donnie oh. Yen, and they just kind of threw him into the like generic Asian role yeah. of like wizened master. Hey, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. You know, bringing the race. But man, there were two Asians in that movie who weren't freaking like computer nerds. Yes, That's so, true. that is true. Right. You know what? No, good. Good on that. I just. I felt like they could have added depth to his character rather than just making him. And, and subsequent to that, they did have opportunities, right? So in the in in the new sort of trilogy, like episodes uh, seven, eight, and nine, there was plenty of opportunity while you're expanding out the universe uh, to have run into some folks that are saying, "I am one of the force, and the force is in me." Yeah, or, you know, whatever the kid, like the weird, the, weird, the, line is. Like, I, the idea of this cult that emerges. Around the Force that isn't the Jedi. That's right. And aren't the Night Sisters are interesting. That's right. How, that are how, only how kind of sort of Force sensitive. How come we haven't seen Dathomir or the Night Sisters in any film media well, yet? Well, you should play. You should. You should it's play in, some Fallen Order. Yeah. Or watch some Clone Wars. Yeah, well, I know what I'm saying. I, I know. I, I mean, I've seen. I've seen Clone Wars, but I'm saying like in 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 theatrical media. Like, wouldn't it have been cool? I don't know, but also I feel like the movies try to do too much, anyways. And you know, my my big my big gripe about uh, Last Jedi is that so much of it, so much of what occurred in that movie didn't matter to the plot. Yeah, and could have been better told as a series of like a live action television series. I think they could have made the entire uh, Benicio del Toro character and the casino planet. 
a lot more interesting if it had been. Well, though that that whole side. Well, and, and the early early indicators are that um, Star Wars as a property stands to benefit the most from Disney Plus. Yes. Out of any of the properties oh, yeah. they have, because they need that breathing room Clo- of series like Clone you're talking Wars, about. Clone, right? Clone Wars made the prequel movies better movies. Yes, one hundred percent. Because it contextualized them in ways that, like, oh, okay, that, yeah, that, this that, makes sense. That, that whole uh, casino planet beneath the tourist stuff can be totally, um, um, as a metaphor, be described as as uh, Captain Phasma. Yes. Yes. So she, 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 you're supposed to be badass. You show up, and was completely insignificant in the entire plot. Phasma was like Gabo. Like Phasma is coming. You know, like there was so much. There was so much lead up to Phasma. Even uh, in the first movie. Even in the first. Yeah, movie. yeah. We'll say like the the marketing material to the first film. Like, who is this and she's fucking cool. badass golden stormtrooper with a cape? Woman. Yeah. Woman. Uh, by played by like Brienne of Tarth. Yeah. Like, it's just phenomenal. Um, but they ended up, you know, I, I don't know. I she just didn't. There was no payoff for her character. Right. No, it's true. There's a my my biggest criticism, and when you guys finally do see episode uh, episode nine, um, you'll see what I'm talking about. Which is that with the new trilogy, there are a lot of payoffs that never get paid off. Like they they set up a lot of payoffs. So I so I I have had one major thing spoiled for me, but yeah, only right, not, right, not, right. not 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 a big plot device, but. From what I've had ruined for me, it it feels like the, the episode nine deals with the force ability to heal or or like life life create, okay, create so, life. So so my so here's my rant about this. Okay. I, no, before I even because I have my theories about it already, and okay. I just don't want them confirmed. Oh, I'm not I'm not going to talk about that. That's all I'm saying about no, episode nine. Yeah. So all it's, is that is that the, from what I understand, there seems to be they they riff on the idea of force as like a healing thing which mm-hmm. which happens in the mandalorian absolutely too. absolutely so so um, there's nothing you're not you're seeing nothing that you didn't see in the okay mandalorian. so here's my rant it in the video games too yeah yeah, yeah. that's right that's but right here's absolutely. my rant about um episode three if you will okay so one of the best scenes in, in my opinion in that movie is when palpatine is telling anakin the story of Darth Plagueis, Plagueis yes. the wise mm-hmm. because he is emotionally manipulating him he's not telling Anakin yeah, of the truth. He is trying to give him false hope right. so that he'll be endeared to him and do what he wants him to do. Well, at the very least, at the very least, Plagueis may have been working on it, mm-hmm. but as evidenced later on, he's like, maybe we can figure out my master's, uh, finish his work. Yeah. Right? But, but like, obviously, uh, he couldn't bring back the dead right. right so or like or obviously palpatine couldn't anyways or wouldn't or right. had no intention to but anyway like it was i, I love this it. It great idea of him manipulating anakin right. Right. but if if force resurrection and force healing powers are real then but here's the problem then it well, gives then well, it gives, you would have learned that in his jedi training yeah and you would have just problem. done it right on but the spot the, right? but here's the other problem we already know that force life creation Immaculate conception. Well, that's it. Is already possible. So, is the implication that Palpatine created Anakin to fulfill the, the, the prophecy? I, well, the idea so, it's a controversial point right now. The reason being, wait, wait, wait. Is... Should we, should we, do we, do we need to have seen nine? No, 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 not at all, not at all. So, because I, I have the a reason why it's controversial is because uh, 
in a Star Wars comic book that got released within the last year, there is a very there is a scene in the book in the comic book where Palpatine is there with Shimmy Skywalker. Yeah. And is manipulating something somehow. And the very, very strong implication and that's a for- is... And that's a force vision given to him, like, like given to, to Anakin, I believe right? so. I could be... Yeah, it, it's in Darth Vader. It's yeah. in the Darth Vader comic book. So, so the strong implication is that he did manipulate that. Subsequent that... Lucasfilm has come out and said, yeah, we're not so sure about that. Yeah, yeah, and, and but then, even though the state of Disney policy yeah. is since whenever they acquired it, everything we do from here on it's in canon. is canon. Well, so, and so, like, honestly, this I prefer the worse. idea... This will make me... Sorry, I'm just going to say one last... Because I, I want to get it out before anything gets spoiled, whatever. Um, and it makes it even worse if, like, Anakin was somebody... When it was Palpatine's first attempt... And say Ray maybe is his second attempt, which makes the, the when when Kylo Ren says your parents are no one, freaking true. So it makes it it's it, it's it's uh, JJ Abrams escape from having to say that that guy he lied. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because he didn't lie. That was true. Yeah, I mean, and yet still well, doing the whole thing. I just I actually I I really wish Disney had <laughs> said like, or the Lucas people have been like actually yeah because it's it's way more. It adds way more pathos to the entire Skywalker lineage if they are the creation and design of the dark side of the Force. Right, like the and, idea the, and that, they are ultimately its downfall. Yeah, well, right? it's, the a, dark it's, side. it's literally a, a self-fulfilling prophecy at that that's point, right. right? That's right. But Oh yeah, that's a really good point. So the whole notion is, is that the Sith create ostensibly the first Skywalker with that power to tip the scale in their favor... But in fact, every, the universe course corrects and wipes out the Sith in the process. Yeah, and I, I like well, that. No, but... they, they, were already, they were already wiped out. My, my, my thing always since... Uh, uh, yeah, since I mean, was, they, they were all wiped out, but a handful. Yeah, my, my, my no, thing... No, but remember, though, at the time that this manipulation is supposed to happen, so, right, uh, there was already... There so was Palpatine two. was already around, Plagueis had already been around... But he had his own apprentice, right? So yeah, he Maul, would have had so Maul. He had Maul, Maul at that point, and right? When he's doing this manipulation and all that kind of good stuff. So. But here's the thing. I, I was always like, when I... By the end of um, uh, uh, Revenge, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, I always like... It was like, Anakin, the prophecy was like, we'll bring... We'll bring uh, uh, balance of the force, right? And I was like, it kind. He kind of did because now there are only two Jedi, Obi Wan and Yoda left. Yeah, and two, uh, uh, two Sith left. That's right. Vader, Vader, and, and Palpatine. Yeah. So it's just like, like like Yoda says, misread the or whatever, misunderstood or yeah. misinterpreted the the, the prophecy. It would it would have been neat yeah. if they actually highlighted that. Yeah, you're, well, you're absolutely look, right. You're anything absolutely right. is more interesting. Any any origin story for Anakin Skywalker is more interesting than his mother was Mary of Nazareth. Yeah. Right? Like because what, nothing what, else in his story is a Jesus analogy. Right? Yeah. Like Superman I don't think, I don't think, is a Jesus I don't analogy, think Lucas, right? I don't but, think Lucas meant that meant that it happened. Here's here's the thing. Okay, I know that it's not the case of Darth Jar Jar. Okay. I know yeah, that's yeah. not the case. But if, if there was Darth Jar Jar, it would have made it more interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. Okay. But here's the thing. There's a whole thing about the wheels, or wheels or whatever, who, 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 who like, work with the midichlorians or whatever. Midichlorians, everybody hated the midichlorians so much. So 
for the next movie, he just took the he didn't mention the McFlurries. He mentioned like a small moment in 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 the uh, in the third movie, and then everybody hated Jar Jar so much. He just like freaking like just he became left, a senator. Yeah, but but basically <laughs> left him out of the entire movie. Right? Is Jar Jar the, the Donald Trump of uh of Star Wars? Like he just like no, booned his way Jar- into politics. <laughs> no, Jar Jar doesn't have enough ma- malice. He has more power. He has to somehow stumble into Palpatine's role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dark Jar Jar. Right? But but it it. it I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if Lucas Voiced by Morgan Freeman. wrote, got to write exactly what he wanted instead of having to cater to whatever the backlash of you know the nerddom. Was. I think I think There's Lucas. A part of that. I think Lucas, Lucas, among many things, got lost in his obsession of the original trilogy. I think, like, like, like the I, fact the fact that McClunky is something that happened in the last. I disagree five years. a little bit. I I feel like J.J. Abrams actually got lost more in the original trilogy than than yes. Than, I, 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 just, I, I would say more so fan service, right? Yeah, he, he was just doing yeah. fan service. I mean, but this, right? this is what I'm saying. I think that, that that was one of the problems with Tired Clones and Revenge of the Sith is like all of a sudden it became a fan service. Rather than no, I don't think so. Actually, no, no, no. I I think the original trilogy suffered from one thing, which is the same thing that um, same reason, for example, with with Harry Potter. Every book got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because Mm. what J.K. Rowling needed in later books and what George Lucas needed in the in the prequel trilogy was an editor. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Was an editor. I mean, was someone to you, say you we know the, how you saw the how how Star Wars was saved in the edit? Absolutely. Right? So we, yeah. we can we can all agree though that like Dexter Jester's diner, fifties diner. Yeah. While I'm sure it, that was fan service for him and him only, he right. was writing a love letter to American graffiti yeah. Absolutely in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. yeah. Fucking. Then there's death sticks, yeah. like an anti-smoking PSA in your in your fucking. But death sticks was in the first, was in the very first one. It was, it was. But like here, 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 here like you and I have talked about this. I don't know if ever if we've actually told you said this to you. Sure. I've always said this is that George Lucas is an excellent storyteller. No, no, I, excellent I, 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 ideator, creator, like world world builder. Well, if you're taking no, a look at he, from the strictly he, like no, cinematic perspective, he no, no, writes sorry. good stories. He has amazing story. He's bad at telling them. That's yes, right. yeah. I honestly, yeah, I agree. I well, feel everyone like, agrees his dialogue is his weakness. Like, it's, and the it's events atrocious. that occurred, like the events that occurred yeah. between the Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, are all interesting events. Yeah. He just focused on probably the wrong. The like, fucking because, Anakin and Padme rolling around oh, scene no. is the not, worst. Not just not just that. Like you even see it in, in Phantom Menace. The whole idea of like like there's like ten minutes of them sitting in the Senate arguing about trade. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the Tommy Wiseau cut of uh, of, of Star Wars? No. no Tom, what okay. Is Tommy Wiseau so cut? Uh, are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah are. We're oh, still recording. So there's this awesome um, uh, YouTube producer shrimp punch. Shrimp Puncher, something like that. Yeah. Um, he spent the last three years putting together this masterful 15-minute edit of all the Star Wars films to insert Tommy Wiseau in, <laughs> into it. Uh, and it actually makes... It's more endearing than uh, Anakin's relationship with Padme is his relationship with Tommy Wiseau. That's amazing. Fucking, That's amazing. When, when, when he's talking about sand and you've got him being like, ha, 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 cool story. <laughs> That's awesome. I still haven't seen, I still haven't seen The Room. I feel like now you wouldn't, you wouldn't get anything from it. Here's the thing, I have, because I try to watch it alone. I totally understand that you just, you can't do that. 
right? It's the same thing, like, I tried to watch my, with my friend, uh, show my friend, oh, sorry, not my friend, my sister. I tried to show my sister uh, a Rocky Horror. Yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. And she was like, I don't get it. Huh. I don't get it. And part of it was because I went to see it in the theater. Yeah. Right? Where you do the whole, like, uh, uh, the audience participation stuff. Yeah. And throw toilet paper at the screen. So much fun. That was my first experience. Watching with my sister and then watching it subsequently, I kind of understood her view of it because she just saw it as just a movie musical. And, the, and if you're looking at it that way... Rocky Horror, the plot makes no sense. No. no, of course not. It makes no sense. It's like really just a vehicle so you put a, put a bunch of songs together. Well, Rocky Horror is like you live it, every scene needs to be lived in the moment yeah. because there's no, there is no continuity. And with people. Yeah. yeah. You, you have to give it – oh, that's a very good point. You have to give it context because it has no context on its own. Yeah. yeah. You need some kind of framing. I mean I – I've gone to the live screenings. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the live screenings, to be honest. I find that yeah, they're not great. I don't like obnoxious people in theaters. It's like a weird <laughs> trigger for me. I don't know what it is. I don't like. I I hate obnoxious. And if you people. go to a live screening of Rock Art Picture Show, you're incur- you you are there with all those yes. people, right? And it's and I, I understand. Right? Yeah, you're intentionally subjecting yourself. To I also do time. like going. I I went to see like live the live play. That's my favorite. Way to oh, see. I love it. Yeah, no, live, they do the Rocky you to Horror do that Show. Too. Oh, yeah, okay. The actual, yeah, yeah, actual stage show, right? Yeah. I oh, took uh, this I took Vanessa. So I took Vanessa because we were, back then we were we were huge to, uh, uh, musical buddies. Yeah. Because of her, her sister, and her sister's boyfriend, I think. I mean, we we got back back row seats. How 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 many shows do you want to actually go and get back row yeah. seats? Yeah. Yeah. Gallagher show. I feel like Evil Dead the musical is one of the last audience participation. Or like audience engagement musicals, uh, I saw you know in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Certainly, I mean, again, it was certainly unique. Um, it's funny I, I make that Gallagher crack. Yeah. It's, it's basically Gallagher yeah. meets the. You know, oh yeah, David Crosby. You know, uh, David Crosby. No, no, Gallagher, like the comedian who smashed oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The joke, you know, from you know Crosby, Stills and Nash. Right. David Crosby and him are like. Identical. identical. Oh, right, right, right. Of course, of course, of course. Um, doppelgangers. My, my uh, Evil Dead the Musical story is an interesting one. Okay. So the very first showing of it was at the Randolph Theater, uh, the Randolph School of Performing Arts. It was like a, it was a student production. Mm-hmm. And they were doing it at the Transac Club. Wow. Uh, in, you know, Bloor and, yep, and, absolutely. and uh, Brunswick. And I, it was the... I, it was the blackout night, the night of the the great two thousand three yeah, East right. Coast blackout, and uh, for those of you on the podcast listening to the podcast who remember that, uh, I had just flown back from Wales. Okay, I had gotten off the plane, gotten home, showered, and then the blackout happened. Oh. Had I been delayed at all, we would have been redirected to. Trudeau or somewhere like no, you would be re- redirected to Gander. Yeah, probably to Gander. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, so we uh, we say I saved myself some you know bless the airline being on time. Right. But uh, my Gander friend gets had really screwed with like airline stuff. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. My my friend had gotten tickets to see this Evil Dead the musical. It was, it was the premiere and the uh the, like I was like well I gotta go see this. Sure. But power was out coastally. Mm-hmm. How are they gonna do it? They did it by car headlights. That's awesome. That's amazing. They did, it, they did it outside. It was like thankfully it was the summer, so sure. they kicked. Yeah, turned on a bunch of cars, parked them, lit them, lit, like did it outside with car headlight. That's amazing. I still feel like we should ha- just have like it, it's probably too late now, 
but to try to have annual like just black everything out and just have part like, when when it when that happened what 2003 August yeah, 2003. August that's right uh, I, I I was working on my laptop so I got a bunch of work done and then like looked around finally like what the hell's going on like, yeah power's been out everywhere it's been out for like six hours or yeah. something like that and then, like everybody was. We're grabbing our food because we don't know how it's going to be. So we're just going to have like potlucks where everybody just brings their food. It and, was a pretty unique yeah. time. I remember. Uh, so where I was, I had just started. Um, and luckily, we're in Toronto, so there's no like rioting or whatever. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of looting here, but there was a lot of looting elsewhere. Yeah, in the states. So I remember. I in, uh, Canada, yeah, in the states. For sure. When the blackout happened, um, so 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 the power was lost during the day. Yeah. Right. It was. So, uh, so I'm sitting working away at that time. I was living in a condo at uh, Young, and Carl- Young and Carlton, right? And uh, right on the corner, the southeast corner of Young and Carlton is where, where, where the condo was. And so I'm sitting, I had a one bedroom or two bedroom in a den, and I just started my first big company, uh, and it was just me, and it was based out of my den. I'm working away, I'm working away, thinking nothing of it. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was working over in the West End, right? So I get a phone call. And uh, she's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm working. What are you doing? I'm like, you don't know what's going on? I said, well, no, what's going on? So said, well, look out the window. So I look out the window, and there is this sea of humanity walking up Young Street because the power's out everywhere, including in the subway. <clears throat> so everyone's oh, so walking. So you're just working on your laptop unplugged. Right? No, no, I'm like, like, I'm looking around. And like my television's on, I've got internet, I'm working on my desktop. Oh, you had power. Right? And so I power? was like, what? I said, okay, uh, how are you getting home? She said, well, I'll try to figure it out, but I can't take the subway, none of the buses, like nothing's running, everyone's just walking. So I guess I'm gonna walk. And she was over at Jane and Bloor, right? Yeah. And so she, so she starts walking, so let me know, you know, whatever's going on. So I kind of take a look and walk into my bathroom, I turn on the lights and I, turn on the faucets and everything's working just fine. And then I, I opened the door, I sheepishly opened the door and all the hallway lights are on. And I walked over to the elevator and I hit the elevator button, the elevator opens. And I kind of shrugged my shoulders and I'm like, oh, I'm up for an adventure. So I step into the elevator, hit the ground floor, go down to the ground floor, the door opens, everything's on, everything's working. So I walk up to the security desk and I'm like, hi. He's like, hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, there's a lot of people outside Why right do we now. have power? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Power's out everywhere. I mean, define everywhere. Like, east of the Mississippi, like, all of North America. Power's out. And I just kind of wait a beat. Because, like, okay. And he looks back at me. He's like, yeah? And I just point at the lights. Yeah. <laughs> like, east. What? Oh, he's like, oh. What? You're probably wondering why the power's still on here. I'm like, Yes. He's like, oh, well, so when we built this condo, we were confronted with a couple of choices. Uh, one of the big choices that, that the condo board was coming up with was, do we have a pool on the top of the, top of the, uh, the, the building? They opted instead to put four diesel generators and a 50,000-gallon uh, tank of water. And the, in the event that there is a power outage, those diesel generators kick in. We have a contract with a diesel company that will airlift diesel in once a week wow. until the power outage is wow. gone. So that's why we have all this power. And I said, and but the water is working. He's like, yeah, that, that tank is gravity feeding 
everybody's faucet so you still have water and that's amazing that's fine. Cool. and we have an electrical motor in the bottom that its only job is to pump water up into that tank so that it's the most efficient way to keep everything running normally I said wow he said oh yeah and another thing too is you probably notice our proximity to police headquarters we're on grid one for the city of toronto so when the power does come back us and all the hospitals on university avenue and the police station get turned on oh first. i know exactly what that building is yeah it's it's the uh, the ellington Just Right by, what by, right, right, right by France, right by France. 100%. Yeah, right. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what that is. And so, uh, so, so I said, wow, okay. Uh, and so, you know, I'm getting phone calls from my friends, like, what are you doing? What I'm like, well, come on over. I got air conditioning. Power party. Power, everything's fine, right? It was a hot, sweltering day, too. It was a hot, sweltering day. That. So everybody I, said, I really can't, I don't know. My, my place definitely did not have that, but we definitely had some... I don't know. I didn't know if I was not having power. Like, I literally just, like, stopped working and I went downstairs to check out what the fuck was going on. Oh, it, let me just interject for one second. Sure. Didn't you find it interesting? Like, like most people don't know what landlines are anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah. wasn't it interesting how, like, even during a blackout, landlines still worked? Yeah. Yeah. It's had, like, whatever yeah. power. You know, well, because um, it, it required, as far as I understand, the, the voltage requirements of telephone lines like physical lines were incredibly low yeah right. and by and, law they needed uh, backup power sources to keep them running right right, right. Um, but again the voltage requirements are so low it wasn't a big deal so everybody comes over to my house or up to, up to my condo we're all hanging out and very quickly i ran out of food voltage or current current requirements? uh both both okay, yeah sorry. and so and so we quickly went out of food we're like well, we need to get some more food and then somebody, and I can't remember who, had the genius idea. said, well, restaurants, their refrigerators are shot. They all must be giving away food as much as they can. And so then somebody else, this, this is classic, right? I mean, I'm, I'm only a few years out of university. And I'm in a house full of engineering guys, right? Yeah. And so we're going through the whole mental exercise. And uh, so engineering women, women, men and women. And so... I said, well, you know, the problem is that without electricity, you know, a lot of the stoves won't work or whatever. And then, I can, again, I, I, I cannot take credit for this. It may have been my idea, but it probably was somebody else's idea. Either way, someone else in the room said, well, wait a second. Uh, all pizza ovens are gas. <laughs> so we started making phone calls to pizza places. And all the chain pizza places closed. Yeah, of course. Right? It's shut down. Their clothes are done, right? And... Then uh, what ended up happening was I called a place called Margaritas. And Margaritas was a pizza joint on, uh, on Dundas, uh, west of Bay, uh, on, on, on the north side. What, what is now Little Japan now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's downstairs. There's, that, there's like that weird school uh, on, 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 on the north side. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Like literally underneath it was where Margaritas was. So I call up like, you guys got pizzas? Like, yeah, we're pumping out pizzas. What do you need? And I said, okay, give me, you know, whatever. I, I ordered four or five pizzas. I said, we're going to come down. And it was like maybe a 10 or 15 minute walk. So I'm walking down and the sea of humanity is still moving. And I remember something my father told me a long time ago, or an, an uncle, a very jaded uncle told me a long time ago. He said, uh, you know, society is a pretty fragile thing. <laughs> that was his line. And it came through that day. So I go and I work my way over and I'm with a buddy of mine. We get over to Margarita's, I pay my money, and I grab my pizzas, and I'm walking back. Now, keep in mind, power has only been out for a few hours at this point, right? And I'm walking with those pizzas, 
And I swear to you guys, I've never seen so many people give me the eye like, I will kill you for that pizza. <laughs> right? Like I did that day. Like, I just felt like yeah, I was on was high the alert. They only gave you an eye. Yeah, but I was, you know, that's only a few hours in, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. give it another two or three days, it would have been bedlam. People you're you're would... the dude in the zombie apocalypse. I felt like I was, right? Like that was the closest thing to zombie. Water. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I also wonder, like... You know, because we have social safe nets, we're used to having social safe nets. We learn, we learn to like kind of care about each other in a certain kind of way, right? That when 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 all the power goes out, our first instinct is not to fucking like just like murder everyone, and take <laughs> take their shit. Or like, right. oh, what do you need? What do you need? You know what? I've got this stuff is going to go bad. Can I give you some of it? Like, like that. That's kind of our. Well, I mean, and that's, 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 that's the, the Christian fallacy, right? Well, the, the interesting thing though, in residential neighborhoods, I talk to my neighbors now. Uh, and, and, and they said, oh, yeah, that day we just, like, wheeled barbecues in the middle of the streets and we just had big street parties. Yeah. yeah. And just cooked our food because our refrigerator yeah, was Yeah, I just bummed I, I around downtown Toronto and just kind of, like, milled about with the humans just milling. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, sorry, I got nothing yeah, else to do. I don't know. I, 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 know, for, I don't know if you I guys know for know a fact this. there are certain places in L.A. that as soon as the lights turn out. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. everybody's getting shot. Well, or I mean, that, but that's something. that's that's a that's a, a corollary of the fact that everyone is getting fucked daily by their government and their in the U.S. and by yeah. their employers. No, that's, right? that's sort of like that's, that was sort of my point, right? Yeah, is that I, we, I, no, I don't know if you guys knew this, but so you lived that in night, States, right? I did. I did, did you live in the I did. Yeah, for how long? New York for a year. Yeah. How long were you in? You were in San Francisco or something. Yeah, for four years. Four years. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so the so the interesting thing is, is uh, I don't know if you guys knew that night. So that night, Mars was on its closest approach to Earth in right. like nice. hundreds and hundreds of years. And so I remember. So that night, sun goes down. We used to love lights on over at our place. And so it was me, my girlfriend, and my best friend at the time. Oh, well, he's still my best friend to this day. Uh, shout out to Rio down in Boston. And uh, so we thought, well, what are we going to do? And so why don't we go down to the beach? So we go down to the beach, like, you know, over by um, like East Beach, right? Yeah. The beaches, or the beach, as the people who live there call it. And so we go down to the beach, and the lake was still like glass. And there was this ethereal mist just hovering <laughs> above the lake. And we, we went down right to where the water met the sand. <laughs> We took off our shoes and we just sat there and literally right on the horizon, as bright as any star you could see, was the red dot of Mars. That's wow, amazing. that's amazing. And we just lay down and stared at the sky and saw the Milky Way. It's, it's a real tattoo. Eh? It was. It was amazing. And it, it, we saw the, the, the Milky Way and the night sky in its entirety. And I will never forget that because you will never ever see that again in the city of Toronto yeah. or even in New York for that matter imagine sitting in Manhattan at Battery Park looking up and seeing every star yeah, in the no night light sky because there's zero light pollution anywhere so you know one of the great gifts that night gave me was I got to see the night sky yeah. in a way that I that no one will ever see it again um, and, uh, and, and that's, that, that's kind of a magical thing and probably a good point to end this pod. Yeah. So even though it's bits, bites, and bourbon, and we like to talk about you know tech and gaming and bourbon, which tonight, by the way, we were drinking uh, some Elijah Craig Twelve Year, which is mighty fine and tasty. Always delicious. Um, but we focus tonight on you know mostly geekdom, and uh, which is also part of the pod. 
and uh, a little yeah. bit how it interwove in our lives. Yeah, we didn't really talk that. much tech, but you know what? Um, yeah. CES is but a twinkle in our eye, and uh, we have some we have some thoughts on the Ivanka Trump keynote. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for that uh, on the next pod. Whoa. We're going to talk about CES, and we, we, argue... we tortured ourselves. Avinash and I, we watched. We watched her. Oh, you watched it? it? We did. Oh, boy. Uh, we're not going to spoil anything. This is for the next podcast. But, uh, yeah, we watched it. We watched it. I'd watch it. So, I'd, read, I'd read a transcript. So yeah. next pod, we'll talk about CES, what it's become, and Ivanka Trump and all things there. And me by then, I'll have seen Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> I'm not no, holding I my breath. No, I thought we were supposed to hold... hold. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's not, yeah. Let's not hold our breath. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll see it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Live stream it. That's, what That's right. We'll start holding out hope for the live stream. All right. Well, I've been Julian Spillane from Comey uh, Games. I've been Ivanash Singh from Easy Tech Care. I'm Justin Kwok from Velocet Games. And we'll see you next time. Bits, Bites and Bourbon is an Easy Tech Cast production and was recorded in the back lounge of Easy Tech Care's offices in downtown Toronto. And while the fine spirits we enjoyed tonight weren't sponsored, they should have been. Hint. Hint. For more details about Easy Tech Care, visit them at easytechcare.com. And to see what Comey Games are up to, check them out at comeygames.com.